0: Uh... Ch- ushers, come forward. we will share in our offering. If you are new or visiting this morning with us uh, and you didn't come thinking about ha- planning for an offering, don't think about it now. We're just glad to have you. We give as part of our worship together, but don't have any expectation for you to do that. So just relax and enjoy. If you are visiting, stop by. Information booth on your way out. A little gift for, uh, as our way of saying thank you for being here. And we're glad to have everyone here this morning. A couple of things for you real quickly. Uh, you heard a couple of things mentioned. Baptism coming up. Uh, next week, actually, we're going to do something special. Following the service, if you are interested in baptism, instead of having to set up a, a, a one-to-one meeting with, with an elder to check to see, you know, or, or check in with you and uh, hearing your story, those kind of things. Next week, after each of the service, we'll have leaders available so you can walk out and say, yeah, I want to do this and meet with someone. And do it on the spot. So next week we'll have uh, leaders available after each of the services and hopefully you'll take that next step in baptism. Our baptismal services are just exciting times together and hopefully you have already taken that step and if not take that step in following Jesus with baptism and next week will be an opportunity for you to take uh, one of those initial steps right away following each of the services. You also heard about a discovery class coming up if you're new to the church uh, wanting to learn more about the church, why we do what we do, kind of figure us out a little bit, some strategic plan, those kind of things. We have a class coming up on the Sunday the 30th. We run, It runs from 3 o'clock in the afternoon, 3 to 7 now we're always done by 7 but that's, a, you know, that's a end, an end time for sure. Some of you are thinking Man, that's a long time. I know, but we give you dinner. Uh, We give dinner. Do you like prime rib? You like lobster? Then the next time you go out, you should order that. Um, but, But when you come with us, we'll still feed you. It just won't be quite that good. Uh, but we spend that time together. I teach that, I teach that time, so I'm doing most of teaching. Uh, folks that attend uh, walk away thinking that was really good to be a part of because it does explain, it explains who we are. Um, it tells you why we do some of the things we do. And for some of you, you'll get done with that and you'll go, I get it now. I, I understand exactly why they do some of the things that they do. You'll understand your role and your part in the church, all those kind of things. Hopefully, you'll be a part of that. If you want to be a member, or a voting member, it's part of the requirement uh, to be a voting member but even if that's not where you're at, it really does help us get on the same page together. Hopefully, you can participate in that. Go to Church Center. Uh, that's the place to sign up, just so we know how to plan uh, for dinner and for who to be there. Last thing, I just want to give you a little bit of a heads up. Folks have asked for about a couple of years if uh, I'm going to be leading a trip to Israel, and we are going back to Israel. Uh, that information is now available. We've got dates set and so we'd love to have you be a part of that. Uh, it's going to be in February and next year. So 2024 in February. Uh, you, can, you can click, you can use the QR code, go to our website. It'll give you information. It's 10 days. Some of you have been before, and some of you we go, we have gone a couple of times. Those who've gone a couple of times uh, walk away with an incredible benefit. Because the first time you go, you're just overwhelmed with everything. The second time, you have a chance to actually take a little more in. Um, it's not a, you know, please know if you're kind of like, well, I'm not looking for these religious-type trips. Well, I'm not a religious-type trip person, just so you know. Um, I want you to see sights and, and walk in the footsteps of Jesus. There's something about waking up the first morning and looking at the Sea of Galilee and, and realizing it's real. That's the Sea of Galilee. And there's a lot of places where people say Jesus was here or he was here, which we don't know if he was or not. We know he walked the the Sea of Galilee, the shores. Um, This morning, we're going to talk about uh, one of his famous sermons. We'll see a place that we believe uh, where Jesus would have been teaching from. Those kind of things. Strengthen your faith. We'd love to have you come be a part of that. It's not limited to church people, friends, family, bring a group. Um, But every two years, we had done this up until COVID. And we're glad to be able to do this again. It really is a, a great experience. We'd love to have you be a part of that. So that's that. Let's get to this morning. So one, thanks for coming back. Uh, if you reconsidered the, the offer last week about exchanging your Red Sox, you know, stuff for Yankees, I just want you to know that I actually have uh, I have uh, a lot of Red Sox hats left over. Um, I I don't have many Yankee hats, apparently we had quite a few conversions last week, so a very good week last week, and I'd love to, love to give one of those to you if you'd like. Now, this, this week, next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about a topic which is very real to every one of us, and the topic is worry. We're going to talk about worry. Better yet, Jesus is actually going to speak to us about worry. Now, as we get started, let me tell you, there are three groups of people when it comes to worry. And with these three groups, we have three different levels of worry, if you will. Group number one, these are the people who need a medical exam just to confirm that their heart is still beating. These are the people who don't seem to worry about anything. I mean, if you, you know, we've, got, we've got high school, middle school students that are kind of living this, this level where parents wish they would worry about something, Anything. They just don't worry. You might want most folks with just, you know, calm and steady all the time. Nothing seems to rattle you. That's the first group. Just so you know, this is a very, very small group. In fact, we're really not sure this group exists, but we have to believe that at least someone lives in this group. That's group number one. Group number two, this is the other side of this extreme. These are the people that worry about everything. They worry about what they see, and they worry about what they don't see. They worry about what they hear, they worry about what they don't hear. They worry about what they know, they worry about what they don't know. First of all, I mean to say, most of us in the world are very thankful for these people because we don't need to worry because you worry enough for all of us. So I just want to say first, thank you so much for worrying with such intensity. But the truth of it is, there are some of us that we know that we worry. That's where we live. Um, Those things occupy our mind and our hearts, we lose sleep, all of those kind of things. And that's group number three. Now, if you're a church person, some church people think that this level of worry is actually a spiritual gift. No, it is not a spiritual gift, just so you know. This is not something God would say, oh, I'm going to give you the gift of worry. Nope, it doesn't work that way. Now, the third group is where the rest of us all land, and that is usually somewhere between those two extremes. Somewhere on that spectrum is where we land. So let's talk about it. And there's a lot of things to worry about today. We've got economy to worry about. We've got politics to worry about, pandemics to worry about. Um, you know, we've got drug addictions and problems to worry about, not to mention the things that are personal to you and the things that you're facing. So there's a lot to worry about that kind of puts us right into that mix. Now, as we talk about worry, it would be easy for some of you to say, well, this really serious isn't for me because I don't tend to be a worrier. And I think that's very true. I don't tend to be a worrier, but I have things that I worry about, right? And so it's real easy to write this off because you can think of, oh, my wife needs this. Oh, my spouse needs this. I got a good friend. I got to invite them because, man, they worry all the time. And it'd be really easy to kind of divorce yourself from this because you think it's not you. But the reality of it is, for every single one of us, if the right thing comes along, man, we get fixated on it and we worry about it. You can go 99% of the time, you know, free and clear, but when the one thing comes, it's all-consuming. That's kind of the nature of worry. So we're going to talk about it and hopefully let Jesus speak into our lives in such a way that can help us. Now, you go to Barnes & Noble, go online, do a search, and you will find all sorts of uh, resources on worry and anxiety you know why there's so much out there is because it's such a real issue because every one of us worry every one of us have our things and none of us want to have those things so we just give anything if someone can help us I got to tell you right now that what I'm going to share with you and what Jesus will share with you the next couple of weeks will help you but I also have to tell you you're not going to walk away today and go man that was great he fixed it in one session all done I wish it were that simple, but it's not quite that simple. Now, to get us on the same page, let me ask a couple questions for you. No need to answer out loud, no need to raise your hand, but answer honestly in your head. Question number one, with all the worrying that you have done in your life, do you think that you have extended your life by even an hour? Probably not. Second question is this, how many of us, I wonder, would say, that with all the worry that you've done, not only have you not extended your life, you have probably shortened it. Probably many of us. In fact, I would suggest this. We we tend to know this to be true. We've seen people, we know people, who've gone through a season of of trouble. I mean, they've just gone through a season of worry. And you haven't seen them for a while. And when you see them, we say this. Man, they've aged. Because worry has a way of taking it out of you. Third question would be this. How many of you believe... That with all the worrying that you've done, you actually brought a positive result to the thing you were worried about. Now, we know the answers. I set you up a little bit, but it really wasn't a setup because we know the right answers in this thing. And so the answer is really is worry doesn't help. Worry doesn't help me live longer. Worry probably shortens my life. And on top of that, it doesn't change anything. Worry does not make the issue any better. So then the question I would ask is, so then why do you choose to worry? Why do we choose to worry? Immediately, some of you will go, time out. I don't choose it. You think if I could choose it, I would choose to worry? I would suggest to you that we do choose to worry. And even secular, secular dictionaries would agree with me. Go look up a secular dictionary, look up the word worry. It says this allowing one's mind to dwell on difficulties and troubles allowing one's mind if you allow your mind it means you choose to worry worry makes no sense at all so as your pastor as one who loves you i just say this stop it <laughs> let's stand and pray and send you on your way have you a good day don't you wish it was that simple and please know i don't preach at you i preach as one of us together I don't tend to be a worrier, but the right thing comes along, and it occupies my mind and my time and my sleep. I don't eat. it, it, It consumes me if the right thing comes along, and that's not what Jesus wants for us, so stick with us as we'll walk through this together because it's not that simple. So for a couple of weeks, we'll let Jesus talk to us about worry, his words right from God's word. Now, worry has been around as long as people have been around, from the very beginning. The words that Jesus were going to look at, he he was teaching 2,000 plus years ago. And the people had the same kind of concerns. Now, listen very carefully, especially in our culture today. If you happen to be one of those people that look at the world today and think to yourself, man, this world is so bad. This world is so scary. It is so concerning. It is so bad. I mean, it's never been like this in the world. It's worse today than it's ever been. Those people that Jesus was talking about, man, they had it easy compared to us. I just have to remind you of something. Those people that Jesus was teaching, the ones that he was speaking to, those people were actually in bondage. They were held hostage in their own country. They were under captivity by the Romans. Food was an issue. Whether it be enough to eat was an issue. Sickness and disease was an issue. And not just uh, have to wear a mask type, talking about death was an issue. Persecution, beatings, death, family members taken into slavery and compulsory service. They were facing incredibly difficult times. So if you tend to look at the world today and go, oh my, what a world, what a world, I would just say to you, you really got to step back, get a grip and stop and say, hey, wait a minute. The people that Jesus was speaking to, they were in dire, dire times. Now, there's a very key principle that we need to understand as we get started here. And the principle before we look at God's Word is this principle. Here it is. We tend to only worry about that which we are devoted to. We worry about that which we are devoted to. We worry about that which we are, that we are focused on. This isn't my conclusion. These are actually the words of Jesus, which we'll see in just a moment. The things that you are most devoted to are the things that will determine what you worry about. Now, we don't tend to think of it that way because, see, worry is such an emotional thing that emotions kind of take over. But we don't stop to realize that we tend to worry about certain things that we're devoted to. We just think we have no control when, in fact, we do. So Jesus is going to help us take the mystery out of worry. If you ever found yourself saying, oh, I just don't like being like this, Jesus is going to take the mystery out of that, tell you how to not be like that, if you will. Now, to get us started and understanding, I've got to be real transparent with you on a couple of things. The first thing is this I need you to know that I never, ever worry about your job. I just don't, because I'm not devoted to your job. Now, if you come to me and say, Pastor Scott, I'm losing my job, or I just lost my job, I'll be concerned for you, and I'll pray for you, and I'll continue to pray for you, and I'll care about you, but I have to be honest, at night, I'm going to sleep well Uh, because I'm not devoted to your job. I am not, I am, I don't care anything about your kids getting good grades in school because they're not my kids. I'm not devoted to that. I got to be honest with you, I don't worry about your retirement. I hope you retire well, I hope that you have enough to retire and be happy, I hope you have just a great retirement life, but I'm not losing sleep about your retirement plan, because I'm not devoted to your retirement plan. You see, my worry tends to be towards the things that I'm devoted to, not what you're devoted to. So Jesus launches into a portion of teaching in this sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. It spans a couple of chapters in, in the book of Matthew, and it's pretty intense, and he walks through all sorts of things that people very much care about, and when he launches into a, a, a couple of uh, minutes worth of dialogue about worry, he chooses the topic of money. So we're going to stick with that topic here because he does, but I need you to know that worry goes beyond money. But it seems interesting that he would choose money some 2,000 years ago because what's the number one worry today that people would say? It's money. It's the economy. It's personal finances. Will I have enough? Will I have enough today? Will I have enough to retire? Still, it's a very real issue. You can apply it across the board in different ways, but we'll kind of walk with Jesus on this one. And Jesus is preaching and teaching to the people about worry. They're all gathered on the mountainside, the, the Mount of Beatitudes. They're all on the Sea of Galilee, on the edge of the Sea of Galilee, and he's teaching. He's teaching. Matthew six is what we're going to look at this morning, and we'll jump in at Matthew six verse twenty four. He says this: Now no one can serve two masters; either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now a quick starting place here: If you were looking your Bible and open it up, you'll find that this verse is actually separate from the portion of the of his teaching where it says teaching on worry. It's actually the verse preceding the teaching on worry. And a couple of things to know here. It says here, it says that you cannot serve both God and money. The word money there is actually a Greek word called mammon, which means stuff. It's not just cash. It means stuff. Now, here's my question. How do you define stuff? Think about that one for just a moment. How do you define stuff without using the word stuff? We had a, a, years ago, we were living in Detroit, and we had a foreign exchange student with us. And uh, Detroit is right on the border of Canada, and while she was in the U.S., she would love to go to Canada to get a passport stamp, and you can do that if you, if you try, if you go in and ask them to stamp it, they will. She wanted to get a stamp from Canada, So said, sure, we'll take you to Canada. It's just a matter of crossing the river. And just a side trivia for you, Detroit, Michigan, is the only place in the country where to get into Canada, you go south. Canada is, either, is, just, is south of Detroit. So we take her south to Canada. We get in. And as we're driving and talking things, I say, hey, let's take her to a st- one, the one store we like, and it's full of stuff. And she heard us talk about the fact, yeah, it's all the stuff. She'll love the stuff. And we can see her looking out the window, and she kind of has this perplexed look. And so I finally say to her, I say, hey, what are you thinking about? And she goes, stuff. She says, what is stuff? And I didn't quite understand. She says, stuff, because it was kind of like stuff. I said, I'm sorry, what again? She says, stuff. What is stuff? So how do you answer that? Well, you know, stuff is Stuff. It's just stuff. So after about three or four minutes of trying to describe this, we said, you know what? We'll be there shortly. When you walk in, you'll get it. So she was fine with that. She walked in and she looked at this place and it was just packed full of stuff. And she went, oh, stuff. (laughs) And then she said these words, my mother, she's got closets full of stuff. (laughs) So I I don't care how you define it, but we all know stuff is just stuff. And Jesus says this statement. He said, listen, you, you can't be devoted to God and devoted to all your stuff. At some point in time, he says, they're at war against each other. They're going to collide. It's just, he it can't possible. Now, you have to decide which of these things are you going to be most devoted to. Got to pick. Can't be both. Now, you can like both and you can appreciate both. And maybe you can make the argument that you can love both, but the bottom line is at some point in time, you've got to decide between the stuff values of life and the God values of life. What you're devoted to is, will determine what you worry about. So Jesus says you have to make a decision. You're going to have to choose. And then in verse 25, He says, therefore, I tell you not to worry about your life, what you eat or drink, about your body, what you wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Now, this is pretty critical here. Just a side note for you, just in general, a learning and teaching thing. Don't forget, I said verse 24 is actually, if you look up in the Bible, is separate from this whole teaching on worry. It's a whole different section. But remember, in the Bible, wherever you see the word therefore, therefore connects a thought to another thought. Therefore doesn't mean here's a whole new idea. Therefore says, what I just got done telling you is relevant to the next statement. Therefore. So he's talking about money. He's talking about stuff. He's talking about what you're devoted to. And then he comes back and he says, therefore, I tell you, based on what I just told you, I want to add to that, don't worry about your life. Your life is made up of a bunch of what? Stuff. Stuff. Don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? So he begins with, don't worry about life. And you go, that's easy. That's easy. Don't worry about life. Don't worry about these things that are important. Well, what does that mean? He says, don't worry about these kinds of things. So he says to the crowd, I know what you worry about. You have to get the fact that he's right with him. He goes, I know the things you worry about. You worry about food. You worry about what you're going to eat. You you worry about whether you're going to have clothes to wear. You're not worried about whether you look good. You worry about whether you're going to have clothes to wear. You worry about whether you have something to drink. Fresh water would be a key thing in the Middle East. You worry about that. You worry about having a roof over your head. Now, remember that this group, this culture to which Jesus is talking about, they were very much a hand-to-mouth culture, right? No refrigeration No preservatives, they have smoking and salt, but for the most part, everything you ate, you went and gathered that day to eat that day. No running water, no sanitation, no Tupperware, no storage, none of those things. So every day, it would start over again. And so you have to get that. Every day, you worry about what you're going to eat and what you're going to wear, where they have a place to live, and you go and you get through that day, and then you wake up the next day, and you start all over again. And just about every single day, the thing that would be on their mind today would be what will we eat today? He said, it's just a recurring thing. So he says, I know the things you worry about, but now our culture is different. Admittedly, our culture would be different. Our refrigerators are full. Pantries are full. Our gas tanks are full. When our daughter-in-law came into the family, the, she was new to the family and she wanted to bake something and we said, well, uh, run downstairs, we have a pantry in our basement, run downstairs and grab, a, you know, get a cake mix whatever. She came back up and she said, oh, I just went to the mini-mart. <laughs> because, you know, we're kind of like a lot of you that we run out of ketchup, we usually buy two ketchups. So you don't have to go back a second time, you know, you kind of get the things and so you begin to store up. Well, they didn't have that. No refrigeration, none of those things. So Jesus says, you know, it's a little bit different than, than uh, or he, today he would be saying to us. It's a little bit different for us. So maybe today he would be saying, don't worry if you're going to be able to retire. Don't worry about uh, whether your kids will get into the right school. Don't worry about whether you're ever going to get married or not. Don't worry about finding that job that you really love, the job you've always wanted. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about your health. Don't worry about your marriage. Don't worry about your wayward kids. And at this point, we think... Jesus, you do know, and I think the people that day, when he says, don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink or wear, the people are saying, Jesus, you do know we need to eat. I mean, you do know that eating is not just a luxury item. You do know that we need to eat. You do know that we need to drink. You do know that we need a, we need a roof overhead. You know those things, right? Are you saying, Jesus, that these things don't matter, that they're not important? And Jesus would say this, I'm not saying that at all. Not at all. In fact, the opposite is true. What he's actually saying is that all of these things are very, very important to us and you're devoted to them. That's why you worry about them. He's not saying they don't matter. He's not saying they're not important. He's saying they are of critical importance, which is why you worry. In fact, they are the actual critical things of life. And in fact, some of them aren't going to go your way like you expect. I mean, at times you won't have enough to eat, he says. At times you won't have a a roof over your head. So those things are really real. But I'm telling you, don't worry about them. So at this point, people would be thinking, Jesus, you got to help us here. I mean, you have to help us with this because these are critical issues that aren't going away and it makes it sound like they're just no big deal. Here's what Jesus is trying to do. He's trying to pull us out of all of the things that get us all focused, hyped up and focused on. What he's trying to do in a moment here is get perspective because here's what we do. We get so hyper-focused on something that it so occupies everything in our hearts and our minds and our emotions. And so, for a moment, Jesus is trying to get us to get get, us focused off, get our focus off of that thing. You see, we have this idea, Oh my! Will my retirement be enough? Oh, oh, will I get that job? Will I ever find the right one to marry? Jesus says, "Okay, yes, these things are important, but then He says this. But isn't life? Isn't there more to life than retirement? Isn't there more to life than the perfect job?" Very honestly, some of you are so bent and so concerned and so worried about finding a spouse. Isn't there more to life than just a a particular person? Isn't there more to life than a relationship? We are so emotionally caught up in all these things. And what Jesus is trying to do is to get us to step back for a moment because we get so brought into the issue with such intensity so quickly. So he gives us a little color here in the story to think about something. Here's what he says in verse 26. So look at the birds in the air. Just stop right there. That's exactly what you want to hear someone tell you in the middle of a crisis. (laughs) I'm worried about whether I'm going to have something to eat. He goes, just stop and look at the birds. Look at the birds. Are you kidding me? Look at the birds. Look at the birds. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Look at the birds. Are you kidding me? I mean, I'm looking at the birds. I need a job, Jesus. I don't have time to look at the birds because I have to sow. I have to go, re- I got to go plant the seeds. Uh, Jesus, my husband just walked out of me. Look at the birds. You see, in any one of us, we would look at this moment with Jesus with a bit of conflict. And that's why it's very important to understand what he's trying to do here because it'd be really easy to think he just doesn't care about me. Look at the birds so he says this yes look at the birds and he says notice something they don't sow they don't reap and they don't store food away for tomorrow like you all do that's what we do again it's a cultural thing he says that's what you do see in our culture he'd be saying this differently he'd say look at the birds they don't have 401ks Uh, look at the birds they're not talking about retirement plans Look at the birds, they're not holding their kids' hands until they're like 30 years old and finally move out of the basement. No, the birds simply say, go to the edge of this, say, yep, time for you to go, you know, and hopefully, hopefully you land soft. I'm not suggesting that as a parenting style, I'm just saying that's the comparison. He says, in our culture, it's a little bit different. Now, make sure you understand this. If you don't, you might think that Jesus is minimizing the things that are most important to us, and he's not. He says, listen, the birds don't have their Google calendars. They don't have their appointment schedules. They don't have mortgages. But you know what? They still need to eat. That's why it's real important to get this, because Jesus is not minimizing what you face. He said, look at the birds. They don't have any of the things that you have or struggle with. But you know what? They still have to eat. They don't have QuickBooks or TurboTax at tax time. But they still have things that they need. And Jesus says this. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Your heavenly father still makes sure that they have all they need to eat. And then he puts them a very important question in verse 26. Again, he says, and look at the the birds in the air. He says, are you not much more valuable than they? Are you not much more valuable than they? Now, for whatever reason, he asks the question differently than I think that we might ask it. I think I might ask it, do you think that he loves the birds more than you? See, I would ask it that way. Don't you think he loves the birds more than you? And I, you know, it'd be a no answer. But he puts it in the yes answer. He says, you know, he puts it in such a way where you got to stop and think and say, well, yes, he loves me more, absolutely. And it would be like, absolutely he does. It's a positive response. Don't you think he loves you more? Of course he loves me more. Do you believe that God loves you more than these birds? Come on. you God speaking, saying, come on. I made, I made you in my image. I didn't make the birds in my image. I made you in my image. When I look at you, I see me. When you look in the mirror, you get a glimpse of me. Do you realize I love you enough to send you a savior? I'm going to send my son into the world. I'm not sending you a chicken. I'm not sending you a cow. I'm not sending you an animal. I'm sending my son in human form. Why? Because we have the same image. I'm sending my son into this world. Do you believe that God loves you more than he loves the birds? And the answer to that is yes, he does. Now, I know this sounds a little elementary, but here's the part you got to get when I say don't you believe that God loves you more than the birds and when you say yes do you realize with your yes you are stating the reason why you can face uncertain times and still not worry do you realize that the yes answer tells you why it is that you may not have a job and you don't have to worry the reason why you say yes says that you may not find the perfect job. You may not find a spouse that you've longed for and you still don't have to worry. You might have always wanted children and you can't have children yet or maybe ever and you still don't have to worry. It's all wrapped up in the yes. Why? Because the yes mean God loves you more, period. God loves you more. Now, some of you are thinking with a little sarcasm, okay, great. God loves me. I won't do a thing. I'm not going to go uh, fill, a, you know, an application for a job. I'll just wait. Let God bring the job right to me. You know, I'm waiting for a husband or for a wife. I'm not going to date. Just, God, ring the doorbell. And I'll go open the door and see what I find. No, that's called fatalism. God doesn't say, God doesn't say live by Fatalism. He doesn't say just wait for fate to happen, no. You see, God is inviting us. God's inviting you. He invites me to actually trust him as your heavenly father, to actually trust him. It means this. Birds don't sow or reap, but you do. He says, you know, the birds don't sow or reap, but you sow and reap because that's, that's, our, that's what you do. You sow and reap. You know, you, you store up for the winter months. You store up for tomorrow. So, you know, yeah, yeah, go out and fill the, the application for the job. Go do the part that you're supposed to do. Go do it. By all means, get good grades so you go to the right school. Put your time in at work and work hard so that you can succeed and, and move up the ladder, if you will, and get promoted. By all means, go date and go, go see the right people, the kind, of, the kind of person you might want to marry. Go do those things. Go do it and do it well. You go do your part. In fact, he would tell us, there's a part for you to play, and I want you to get out there and do it. And it's about this time that people be thinking to themselves, eh, that sounds like work. I think I'm just going to go back to my plan. I'm just going to worry about it. That's what I'm going to do. So his response, verse 27, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? So what happens here, about the time that people are thinking, ah, sounds like work, Jesus goes back and says, okay, you don't like my plan. My plan is look at the birds. You don't like the birds' plan. Let's go back to your plan. Let's just hyper-focus on the problem that you're facing and how's that working out for you. He basically goes back and says, can any one of you, by worrying, add even a single hour to your life? Let's look at that plan and see, is that working? How is it helping you? See, he would be posing this question to you. Think about this. How can worrying about this issue today help you with the uncertainty of tomorrow? It doesn't help you. It can't. So Jesus says your worry is getting you nowhere. So here's an idea, he says. Let's go back to the birds. Got an idea. Look at the birds who eat and are cared for by God And he loves you more than them. Listen very carefully. When God says, look at the birds, he's saying this. I have put my signature on everything in creation. And when you stop and you look at the birds, and when you stop and you look up Mount Mansfield on a sun morning with the snow glistening in the beginning of spring, when you look around you, you see my handprint on everything. And I'm the one who made all of it. I'm the one who made you. And by the way, I love you more. I love you more than anything else that you will see. Jesus says your worry isn't getting you anywhere. Now, he goes this, so go and do, and make sure you hear this statement, it's very key, especially if you're a worrier. I've done, you go and you do all that you can do. In all the things that you have control over, go and do all you can do. And then leave the rest of the stuff that you can't control anyway, leave that to the God who loves you more. Verse 28, And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. He goes, well, you all labor and spin. But the truth of it is, in their culture, they did. In our culture, we don't. So maybe to us, he'd say, look at you. You don't labor and spin. You shop. You shop. You have your Amazon account. You try on. You primp. You debate. Does this look good on me? Do you like this color? We do all those things. And he says this, the flowers, they do none of that. And look how good I make them look. And I don't care anything about flowers. And then he adds a couple of verses, 29 and 30. He says, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Jesus is saying this, if God takes care of the flowers, if God takes care of the birds, if God looks at a field which is going to be burned up and gone, and if you know the seasons, that beautiful field that you see in the fall and spring looks horrible because it's all died out and restarts all over again. God goes, if I do that for all of those things, don't you think that maybe, just maybe tomorrow, I can take care of you? If I can see to it that every living creature in the world is provided for, I don't love those things nearly like I love you. Don't you think you can trust me to take care of you? And then he goes right to the heart of worry. Here's where we end. Don't forget today's a starting place. He goes right to the heart of worry at the very end of verse 30. He ends it all by saying, oh, you of what? Little faith. See, worry is a faith issue. It's a devotion issue. Our emotions get attached to those things that we're devoted to. So please know Jesus understands that the issues of our lives are important to us. I mean, let's be honest. It's not like you're worrying about nothing. Now, some of you who are hyper-warriors, maybe, you may, maybe there are a couple of nothings in there. But for the truth of the matter is that for most of us, we worry about critical things. We're worried about health, worried about future, worried about our kids, So we're worrying about things that matter. That's why Jesus chose two of the most important things of that day. He chose to talk about worry when he compares it to food, what you're going to eat, and whether you have a coat on your back. These are critical issues. He gets it. And his point is not that these things that you're worrying about are not things you should be concerned about. You can be concerned. His point is these are not things that you should be worried about. Concerned about? Sure. Worried about? No. The issue is, do you trust your Father in heaven with the issues? Here's a question for you. What would your life look like? What would your life look like tomorrow if you woke up? You woke up knowing absolutely certain that your Heavenly Father loves you more than anything else. And on top of that, he is perfectly trustworthy for everything that you'll face. What would you worry about tomorrow? The answer to that is nothing. Nothing. You would wake up and you'd go through that day knowing, I have nothing to worry about. So let's end up. Let me give you a final statement or two and then homework, homework. So here's the statement. Do you realize... That not one single second of your life, not one minute of your life has ever been a moment of certainty. I mean, do you realize that for your entire life, there is nothing in your life which is certain? We have this kind of attitude sometimes that I might be living in an uncertain time compared to certain times. And you need to know there's never been a certain moment. There's never been a moment in your life where you can say, I know for sure what's next. Never been a moment of certainty. We have lived with uncertainty every single day since we were born. So then what happens when we're all worried or anxious? What happens is this. At certain moments of time, we become more aware of the uncertainty, so we attach our focus to it. That's the only difference. If you think about your life, it's been uncertain from the day that you were born. But at certain moments, something pops up that reminds you of the uncertainty, and we attach our focus to it. But in reality, the moment that you're worrying about is no different than all the other times when you won't worry about it. All the same uncertainty was there. You just didn't know about it. You get a doctor's call that says, "Hey, we found something. Oh boy, I got news for you, whether the doctor ever called or not, whether you ever went, the uncertainty is still there. See, that's the picture you have to get. Presidents change. Political parties change. Jobs change. Health changes. Relationships change. Economy changes. God doesn't change. No matter what it is, he stays the same. So that's why Jesus says, oh, oh, you have a little faith. It's a faith issue. Let me give you some homework. Get you started this week, and then we'll continue on. Now, I'm going to give you homework. Some of you will never do it. Just like in school, except for I don't get to grade you. I got it some of you will do it and it will be incredibly helpful for you very sincerely it's not meant to be just fill your time with with time-consuming things it's meant to help you navigate and take the mystery out of worry and maybe put it to rest so here's the homework simon first so we've learned already that worrying is a waste of time. So first homework item. So this week, when your brain begins to dwell on something that you can't control, when your brain begins to focus on that problem, whatever it might be, stop, say this out loud, and even write it down, these words. This is a waste of my time. You guys, to are thinking that way. Because a lot of us don't think that way. We just think, ah, this is just life. No, it's not life. You stop in that moment and you write it down and say, this is a waste of my time and my life. You say these words, I have limited time on, on this earth. I am not going to waste it on this. You say, does that help? It really does because we begin to change the way that we think. Give me a second thing. Second thing we've learned that unlike the birds, we do reap and we do so. And we do store up, which means we are to do what we can do. There's a part for us to play in this. So here's your next assignment. So when your mind begins to dwell on a problem or a trouble or whatever the issue is in your life, I need you to stop right then. I've done this in my life. I I literally will write it down. I need you to stop in that moment and ask yourself this question. Have I done everything I can do that's in my control? The stuff that I control, have I done everything that I can do? If the answer is yes, I have, then you stop and say, okay, I've done my responsibility, God. I'm giving this to you. But the answer might be no. If it's no, then sit down and write, well, then what can I and what should I do? And then do it and go back to the same question. Have I done everything that I can do? Yes, okay, then. Then I'm going to give this to God. Let me give you a third thing. Third thing that we've learned is that, we, that when we start to worry, we're worrying about things that we're devoted to. So here's a simple thing, specifically now for those of you that might be really prone to worry. Would you, in the next week, would you start making a list of the things you worry about most? Uh, just, you know, when something pops up, and chances are it's the same things, but I'd like for you to write it down so that you begin to see the pattern of what you worry about and begin to ask yourself the question, why is it that I can't trust God with that? And just for you to begin to see what are the things that you tend to migrate towards in your worry. And then here's the last one, last assignment. If you're willing to do this, this it'll take you about five minutes a day. Every day, uh, maybe not every day every uh, the week, so we'll give you five out of seven, five out of seven days. Would you please read Matthew chapter six, verse 24 through 34. Ten verses take you less than five minutes to read those 10 verses every day. Maybe some of you would take them and print them out in piece of paper so you have it with you, have it at work, whatever, and even more than once a day, and maybe you're really going to live on the edge and do it seven days a week, you know, really live out there. But during the week, would you regularly read those 10 verses? And you go, why? Because the more you read God's Word, you open the door for His Word to speak to you for Him to speak to you through his word. So instead of just reading about the birds, you begin to get the picture of the love of God for you. Stand, please. Here's our starting place today. Make sure you stick with me. The Father, for some of us, we are taking notes because we know the battle with worry. For others of us will kind of say, ah, oh, I'm not worried right now, but boy, help these truths to stay close because if the right thing comes, then we get locked into it we worry so much about things that we can't control in these next couple weeks would you teach us that we can trust you that yes you love us more than the birds of the air and so we can trust you today with whatever it is that we carry as our burden dismiss us in your grace in Jesus name amen God bless you